0: Good morning and welcome to First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin's live stream of our worship service, where we gather virtually and in spirit every Sunday morning during this time where we cannot gather together in person due to the resurgence of COVID-19. Let us hope that this resurgence is as short as possible so we can all be back together again in person as soon as possible. We are a spiritual community dedicated to a free and responsible search for truth, meaning, and beauty. I'm Chris Jimerson, Minister for Program Development at the Church, and I welcome each of you to the service this morning. Please know that though we cannot be together in person, I can still feel the loving community that you all have created. I especially want to welcome you if you're new to the church this morning. If you're on a platform where you can do so, please feel free to say hello in the comments and let us know from where you're watching the service. We come from a long tradition of seeing a spark of the divine in every person. And it's in that tradition that I invite you to greet the holy among us by saying hello in the comments if you have the ability to do so, or simply feeling the heartstring connections that bind us together. Now please join me in our words for lighting the chalice. This is the flame we hold in our hearts as we strive for justice for everyone. This is the light we shine upon systems of oppression until they are no more. This is the warmth that we share with one another as our struggle becomes our salvation.
1: Our call to worship this morning is entitled, A Prayer of Good Intention. The author is unknown. Dear Lord, so far I've done all right. I haven't gossiped haven't lost my temper, haven't been greedy, grumpy, nasty, selfish, or overindulgent. I'm really glad about that. But in a few minutes, God, I'm going to get out of bed. And from then on, I'm going to need a lot more help.
0: One of the things that helps folks in this religious community to maintain a sense of connection with one another, even when we can't gather together in person, is that we have a common purpose. For First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin, that common purpose is our mission. The congregation wrote it together, we put it on our wall here in the sanctuary, and we say it together every Sunday so that we might more readily carry it in our heart throughout the week. Let's do so now. Together, we nourish souls, transform lives, and do justice to build the Beloved Community. Each week, to explore more deeply what we mean by that term Beloved Community, we're having a moment for Beloved Community during our services. Well, this week, I want to introduce you to television reporter Michelle Lee from the St. Louis area. On New Year's, she did a story about the foods that people traditionally eat on New Year's that are believed to bring good luck. She covered all of the common ones that especially we white people believe bring good luck, like greens, cornbread, ham, black-eyed peas. During her story, though, she mentioned that she often has dumplings on New Year's Eve, as is the tradition in her Korean heritage. Well, I want to let you watch her as she listens to a message the station received after she did that story from a white woman.
2: Hi. um, This evening, your Asian uh, anchor uh, mentioned something about being Asian and Asian people
3: eat
2: dumplings on New Year's Day and um, kind of take offense to that because what if one of your white anchors said well uh, white people eat this on uh, New Year's Day um, I don't think it was appropriate that she said that and she was being very Asian and I don't know uh, she can keep her Korean um, to herself all right. Sorry, uh, it was annoying. I
3: because if a
2: white person would say that, it, they would get fired. <laughs> so say something about what white people eat. So all right. Thank you.
0: Another way that we help to bring about beloved community is that each year this church selects a number of worthy nonprofits who are doing work out in our community to bring about the beloved community, and that is consistent with our message. Then, once per month, we have a special offering. At the end of the year, we add up what was brought in from all of those special offerings, divide it up equally, and send it out to those worthy nonprofits. Each month, we also get to hear about one of those nonprofits. After that, we then have our anthem, and during the anthem, you are able to contribute to the monthly special offering. You can do that by scrolling up on Facebook or going to austinuu.org, clicking on the link for our secure contribution page, and then choosing in the drop down box Second Saturday Special Offering. I'm so pleased today that we're going to hear about Texas Unitarian Universalist Justice Ministry from Erin Walter, Acting Executive Director.
2: Good morning, and thank you so much for the opportunity to share with you about our Texas Unitarian Universalist Justice Ministry. Sujum will be 10. We're celebrating a decade of fierce advocacy for our Unitarian Universalist values in the state of Texas. I'm the Reverend Aaron Walter. It's my honor to serve as the Acting Executive Director of TechSugum. So I want to say that we are at a crucial moment when we need your support. We are looking at the next chapter of this organization, building capacity, I am a very part time executive director right now, and we are looking to build our communications systems. We are looking to hire organizers. We know how much Texas needs. You use fighting, organize together for our shared values. So, your congregation has been key with Texas You've been at the Capitol with us in past years for Legislative Action Days. You've been, members have been on our board, donors, thank you. To remind you about 25 congregations voted for the priorities of Texas UU Justice Ministry that we are in now year three of a three-year uh, priority focus. One, racial justice. Two, environmental justice three, healthcare access, four, economic rights, and five, voting rights. Those also encompass issues that are dear to our hearts, such as immigration and reproductive justice. Now, I have been working with a lot of great organizations, I believe, in coalitions and capacity building together, and so does Reverend Chuck Freeman, our founding executive director, so does our board. So I want to share with you just a little bit Uh, We've been working with the UUA, with UU The Vote, with Side With Love, the UU Service Committee, and other state action networks. Not every state has a Unitarian Universalist state action network. Only about half the states do. It's a new thing, uh, relatively speaking, and so we need to fight for building these organizations to really make a difference at the state level. I want to share with you the words of the Reverend Ashley Haran from the Organizing Strategy Team of the UUA and Side With Love. She says, this is a huge moment of potential for Texujim and it's coming at a watershed moment for Texas as the bellwether of so many issues that are moving nationally. So we have a big fight and we need each other. We need to be organized and unitarian Universalists are needed in our state legislature and out in our communities. We're proud to be working with Texas Impact, the Texas Civil Rights Project, the Austin Sanctuary Network, Mono Amiga, grassroots organizations, and we are proud to be working with you. So I'd like to ask you to be as generous as you can be. Give from your values, from your heart, and start this new year really feeling good about your commitment to justice work as an expression of your faith and your love in Texas. On behalf of everyone at the Texas UU Justice Ministry, thank you so much, and I hope to see you very soon.
4: Let me tell you about the cricket and the coin. One day, a pair of cousins were taking a walk down a busy city street. Now, one of the cousins was what you would call a city slicker, someone who lived in and was used to the urban lifestyle. The other cousin was what some people refer to as a country bumpkin, someone who was more accustomed to the rural countryside way of living. But on this day, they found themselves together in a city. And as they were walking, if you've ever been in a city, you know the sounds, the sights, the impressions that are constantly bombarding the senses. It's a loud and exciting place to be. Horns blaring, people shouting, construction taking place. And amidst all of that bustle, the country cousin said, is that? Ha! Do you hear that? A cricket. The city cousin said, No, cuz. No way. Listen, there's no way there are any crickets anywhere within a 20-mile radius of here. And even if there were, there's no way you could hear it over all the noise. The country cousin said, No, no, I, I hear it. There's definitely a cricket. And wouldn't you know, Within a minute of continuing their walk, they found one of the few plants that was growing in the city and there on its leaf was a little cricket singing its song. The city cousin was admittedly impressed and said, wow, you know, this just goes to show you country people have great sense of hearing. But the country cousin wasn't so convinced. As a matter of fact, They thought it would be a good idea to launch an experiment to find out if it was really a matter of country people having better hearing. And so they pulled their change purse out and dropped a few coins on the sidewalk. The heads of every passerby turned toward the sound of the fallen coins. This story illustrates that we are more likely to notice things that we're used to noticing. So it's a good idea to pay attention to where we pay attention, to focus our intention and choose where we place our focus.
1: I Will Not Die an Unlived Life by Donna Markova. I will not die an unlived life. I will not live in fear of falling or catching fire. I choose to inhabit my days, to allow my living to open me, to make me less afraid, more accessible, to loosen my heart until it becomes a wing, a torch, a promise. I choose to risk my significance, to live so that which came to me as seed goes to the next as blossom. And that which came to me as blossom goes on as fruit.
0: Please join me now in a spirit of prayer or meditation spirit of love and life breathe into us a courage, a fortitude as we move through this time of COVID-19 surging yet again. As we witness loved ones and far too many in our community being affected by suffering from this pandemic. Fill us with hope. Fill us with the spirit of love. May we surround one another with the spirit of love, even if from a distance. May we be there for one another may we know in our heart of hearts that this too shall pass. These things we ask in the name of all that is holy. Amen. I invite you now to continue a time of quietness, Stillness, meditativeness. If you are moved to do so during this time, please feel free to light an actual or virtual candle of sorrow, joy, hope, remembrance, resilience. Let us enter into that time of quiet stillness together. In the little East Texas town where I grew up, there was a saying that went like this. The road to hell is paved with good intentions. I'm glad I'm a Unitarian Universalist and we don't believe in hell because I've got lots of good intentions. I think the bigger questions are, how well am I living into them? How much am I acting upon them? The spiritual topic we're exploring this month in many of the church's programs and activities is living with intention. I think most, if not all of us, would like to think we're living intentional lives or at least trying to do so. But what does that mean really and how do we go about doing it? Is living with intention about our goals for ourselves and our world? Is it more about a sense of being, a sense of alignment, integrity, authenticity with our core values, our truest selves? Maybe some of both? And how do we go about discerning our core values and truest self? Well, I won't pretend to have all the answers to all that, I can share with you, though, an experience I had that I think at least helped me get closer to getting intentional about life, understanding who I am and what values I want to live in our world. And fortunately, those values turned out to be pretty darn equitable with this church's stated values. I think we don't talk about those church values enough, so let's review them now. Our church's values are transcendence, to connect with wonder and awe at the unity of life. Community, to connect with joy, sorrow, and service with those whose lives we touch. Compassion, to treat ourselves and others with love. Courage, to live lives of honesty, vulnerability, and beauty. Transformation, to pursue the growth that changes our lives and heals our world. I think there's a lot of intentionality inherent within living those values. Anyway, back to the story. In my second and third years of seminary, we were required to do a 20-hour-per-week ministerial internship at a Unitarian Universalist church. This was in addition to the mounds and mounds of reading and writing, online and over-the-phone class discussions, and trips to Chicago three times per year for intensive eight-hours-per-day classwork over a period of weeks that were also required of us. Add to that the fact that the church where I did my internship ended up being in turmoil, often requiring more than 20 hours per week, and I never felt like I was being very intentional about anything in my life. I was just running from one thing to the next, dancing without direction just to keep up with all of the requirements on my time. I never felt as if I could do the spiritual work, the reflection on what I was experiencing and learning, the growing into myself and discerning of of my values that is a part of ministerial formation. And that process of formation is as or more important for becoming a minister as the academic and experiential learning. Then one day I was expressing this frustration with one of the advisors at my seminary and she suggested that I meet once a month with a spiritual director who might help me sort this all out and find a spiritual lens with which to approach it. I did. And he helped me so much. He continues to help me to this day. He helped me find ways to get off that dance floor and onto the balcony, where I could begin to see a larger perspective. I could begin to see where I would like the dance to take me. I began to set aside time to look at all that was going on in my life, as well as to engage in spiritual practices that helped me understand who I am and what my core values are. Oddly enough, Setting aside this time for spiritual discernment and take that larger, longer view helped me to organize what had seemed overwhelming. It helped me to realize that I could ask for help if I needed it. I could work with my internship supervising minister to determine what I might let go or postpone if needed. I could ask for more time to submit a paper if needed. Oddly enough, it turned out that living with intention involves setting aside the time to, well, get intentional about it. So, as that hopefully not too self-indulgent story may have hinted, there are some practical practices that can help us break out of our daily routine and habits so that we can live with greater vision and intention. Our spiritual practices, from meditating to gardening and so on, help us move into different ways of thinking. Help us both gain a broader vision and explore our deepest selves. Now the research on this says to try engaging in some of these practices first thing in the morning, while the mind is still clear and the demands of the day have not yet grabbed us. So when you first get up in the morning... Pray or meditate. Get grateful. Think about or write down at least some of that for which you're grateful. Journal about your life, about your intentions for the day, about whatever comes into your mind. Sing. That's right, sing. You might want to warn your family or housemates first, though. Go for a walk in nature. The list could go on and on. What are some ways you can think of to start your day that might help you focus your intentions? Now, another practical way to live more intentionally is to single-task rather than multitask. Research is finding that when we focus on one thing at a time, not only are we more productive, we're more creative. The product we create is better. We are also actually happier. We remember more. We notice more about ourselves and our world. When we focus upon, become absorbed in a singular task, we enter into a different kind of mental processing, much like that with meditation. While our conscious focus is on that singular task, a lot of background mental processing also emerges around our values and our vision of ourselves and our lives. Well another practice worth noting is becoming consciously aware that goal setting and setting intention are not the same, though both have important roles in our lives. I want to read for you a quote about this from a Buddhist teacher and author, Philip Moffat. It's a bit long, but I want to offer you the whole quote because he says it so much better than I ever could. With goals... The future is always the focus. Are you going to reach the goal? Will you be happy when you do? What's next? Setting intention, at least according to Buddhist teachings, is quite different than goal making. It's not oriented toward a future outcome. Instead, it is a path or practice that is focused on how you are being in the present moment. Your attention is on the ever-present now in the constantly changing flow of life. You set your intentions based on understanding what matters most to you and make a commitment to align your worldly, worldly actions with your inner values. Goals help you make your place in the world and be an effective person. But being grounded in intention is what provides integrity and unity in your life. What would it be like if you didn't measure the success of your life just by what you get and don't get, but gave equal or greater priority to how aligned you are with your deepest values? Next, connecting with and becoming a part of a larger community such as we do here at First Unitarian Universalist Church of Austin can also help us live with intention. Such connections provide support, nourishment, and accountability. We help each other explore living in connection to something larger than ourselves. (sighs) Well there is so much more involved with this idea of how we live with intention and far too little time in one sermon to cover it all. I would be remiss, though, if I didn't mention that sometimes we discover that maybe our intention wasn't so good, wasn't in alignment with our values. And we may also experience times when our impact is different than our intention. Once I preached at a small Unitarian Universalist church and during the sermon I mentioned my spouse Wayne. Someone came up to me in the receiving line afterward, patted my hand and said, "I'm so glad you felt you could mention your partner with us." Um actually it was spouse I wanted to say. And Would you be saying this to me if the name I had used had been one associated with feminine gender? I wanted to ask. Actually, what I really wanted to do was to pat their hand and say, Well, I'm so glad you felt you could hear it. Now, I have no doubt that they had the best of intentions, but their way of acting upon them was at odds with their intention as far as the impact. I'll come back to how we might deal with all of this a little later. But one last aspect of living with intention I want to mention is what researcher and social worker Brene Brown calls living wholeheartedly. Living wholeheartedly is about taking risks, being willing to be vulnerable, embracing life, love, and connection, being willing to share our truest selves. Well, to that end, within Unitarian Universalism and here at this church, we have a concept that I think may be very helpful to trusting ourselves to live wholeheartedly and with vibrant intention. We make covenants with one another. Covenants are a set of promises that we make about how we will be in relationship with one another and our world. An important part of covenants involves forgiving and being willing to be called back into covenant when we fall short of those promises. Much like the examples of falling short of our intentions I mentioned earlier. One might think of living with intention then as a set of promises one offers to oneself living in covenant with oneself. Well, again, as you can tell, this idea of living intentionally can be both broad and deep, difficult to describe fully, as I have just no doubt strongly demonstrated. I think, though, I think I may be able to show you what it looks like by way of spoken word poet, Natalie Patterson.
3: It is rare that I make resolutions, don't want them to haunt me in the dead of night each day, guilted by all the things I said I would or would not do. I only do what I want, when I want, with a full heart or not at all, and the rest will have to settle somewhere between my lips and my intentions I do not promise often. But there comes a day when I am more than wild woman, more than what I've accomplished or seek to. And as that day approaches, I promise to remember how to love in the face of hurt in my heart. I will love you foolishly at times, but brave. I promise to forgive, to ignite the soft of me and to surrender so that everything ain't going to grow like I grow. Ain't going to know what I know, how I know. And that is OK. There is still love in separation, still love in letting go. I promise to love myself, to honor this girl with dreams she can't stomach yet but she tries hard to. In the morning, I will pray to a God I hope to be more like and she will laugh knowing I have already forgotten that she loves me unconditionally. Just a silly girl wanting more and more and more but already having everything I need. I promise to laugh hardest when when life is most challenging. I promise to tell strangers that they are beautiful because they probably haven't heard it in too long. I promise to dance across the floor when I'm excited. I promise to be excited, to sit with my mother, to remind her that she makes amazing things, to listen to my elders, to honor the repetition in their stories, to watch intently as my nephew and niece blossom. I promise to call my sister to love her because she grows our family when I might not. And and none of this comes easy. None of it will be overnight. I might be scared and stubborn at first, and when I am, I promise to lean into it, to let life make a masterpiece of me, to say everything that needs to be said in a moment and trust that I am prepared. I promise to listen to the way God moves. I promise to be moved, to not stop noticing the details in the day, the way you hesitate before speaking or the nervous girl at the table next to me. I promise to never stop picking up on energy or feeling responsible for humanity. I promise to let this fire rage, to drink more water and carry this skin like a gift. I promise to to breathe on purpose and fall in love without fear. I promise. I promise. I promise.
0: Amen. Now, please join me in our words for extinguishing the chalice. We extinguish this flame, but not the light of truth, the warmth of community, or the fire of commitment. These we hold in our hearts until we are together again. May we dare to live from the center of our being. May we make our own choices before others' choices make us. May the fire that burns in our belly light our way. May our collective intention make the world shine anew. I send you much love. I wish you much peace.
1: This is a production of the First Unitarian Universalist
0: Church of Austin. For more information, go to our website at austinuu.org.